Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. This week for the Gathering podcast, we're going to be doing a bit of a recap due to the setup that we had being a little bit different on Tuesday night. We had a discussion about marriage and and had a special guest. Uh, My wife actually came in and helped me share the story. So I'm just going to try to recap the things that we discussed in talking about marriage at the Gathering. The passage that we're covering this week is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which is when Paul starts to talk about marriage. We're not going to talk a lot about the text during this session um, because I'd rather share a little bit more of my personal story and my experiences with marriage being uh, someone who's been married for uh, almost 12 years now. And I just thought it would be um, interesting to, to delve into that specifically when we're talking about a more practical subject matter. However, uh, what I wanted to do was kind of give you just a brief overview of what 1 Corinthians 7 says. And essentially, Paul, what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 7 is that he believes that it's better to be single, um, but being married is perfectly fine as well. So he's just trying to, to get past, help the Corinthians understand that there is no sin in singleness, that there is no sin in marriage. Either one of those things could be what God has in store for you. So if you can remain single, that there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, but if you feel that marriage is supposed to be what you're supposed to pursue, that you should pursue that. And one of the reasons that I wanted to bring that up, and especially in that light, is because I think largely when the church talks about marriage, there's more of an emphasis or a perspective that this should be the end result of most um, for most people, that they should eventually find someone they can settle down with, get married, and that that's God-honoring. And And it absolutely is God-honoring to get married, but I don't think that's the call for every person in every life. That it's very God-honoring to remain single your entire life, and and that in fact that there's maybe even some more positive um, outcomes from from remaining single um, for a life of serving God than, than there is for the married couple. But that's not the main thing I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to kind of get to that up front. Another thing that I wanted to address up front is that my story, my relationship, is not the story. I'm not saying that we've encountered some perfect formula or way of being married, um, that the process that we went through in our dating relationship and as we are engaged and, and even through these twelve first 12 years of marriage, um, it's not the way to do things. It's just a way to do things. There's a lot of ways to do marriage biblically. Uh, there's a lot of ways that relationships can be redeemed, um, even if they haven't followed the biblical model from the beginning or during certain points. That marriages, relationships can be redeemed and be used to be a good example of what biblical marriage is supposed to be and supposed to look like. Uh, However, I do think that I have a very strong and good marriage, uh, a biblically good marriage, and that's why I'm sharing my story is because I think it's one um, that is, is worth holding up. So let me begin kind of at the beginning of our relationship. Uh, Mandy, my wife, and I met uh, through our 
summer camp that we went to every summer, Lake Springfield Christian Assembly. They happened to be holding, uh, doing a mission trip down to Mexico. Um, they did that for a few summers, and Mandy and I were able to go on one of those trips, and that's how we met. That's how we got to know each other. It was while we were both in high school that we met, and for the first two years of our relationship, it was just a friendship. We weren't dating yet. Um, we both kind of liked each other, but we weren't. I was too shy and awkward to talk about it. She was dating someone else, and so it wasn't really the time for us to start a romantic relationship. But later on, um, the summer before my senior year in high school, we had been interacting quite a bit, hanging out quite a bit. And at that point in time, Mandy uh, was single, and I was single. Well, I was always single until I started dating Mandy. Um, she's the only girl I ever dated, and, and she's the one I got to marry, which I think is a really cool thing, but not the point of this story. Uh, the summer before my senior year of high school, we'd been hanging out a lot and, and talking on the phone a lot throughout kind of hours of the night, and there was one night that we were just kind of talking about our plans for the next day, we had planned to hang out just as friends, go uh, actually to a museum because we're nerds, um, and that's something that we wanted to do, and we thought it would be an, an interesting way to spend an afternoon. Uh, but Mandy kind of had some, some nagging questions and kind of wondering, so what's the deal with this guy? Is there something going on here? Is there nothing going on here? Am I reading into things? Or So she asked me, um, what's the deal with this? Are we just friends or, or what? And my response was, um, what? Uh, not that I was questioning, it's just that that's how I felt like our relationship was being defined. We were in that what category, not the just friends category. And so we proceeded to have a more full conversation about our feelings, about, about what we thought about one another, and decided that, well, maybe we should just start dating and see what happens. And so that, that hangout that we had planned for the next day turned into our first date. We had a really good relationship, um, but one of the things that happened very early on, and in fact as part of that first phone call when we decided that we were being dating, is, is there were some parameters put on the relationship. The first thing that Mandy said after we decided that we were going to date is, okay, but you can't kiss me. And I was a little bit taken aback, but I'd also never kissed a girl romantically before, so I was like, uh, okay, this sounds like a different thing, but I'm willing, I care about you, I respect you, I kind of know who you are, so okay, if this is what you think should be the case, it should be the case. And we actually stuck with it. We didn't kiss until our wedding day, and we have actually photos of our first kiss, and some of our favorite photos of our of our wedding ceremony um, were those of our first kiss. And there's a lot of reasons for this, and quite frankly, some of it is not necessarily the best reasons. Um, there was a trend in the church going on the time that was kind of referred to as like the purity movement. Um, and, and it was just this really like hardcore um, Christian couples should not be having sex before marriage, which is biblically something I agree with. Um, what kind of made it crazy and more hardcore is that they had all these parameters of setting all these really tight boundaries and and it's something that we kind of followed um but i think maybe it was even beneficial to our relationship but that kind of hardcore movement has has messed up a lot of 
people, a lot of relationships, um, because it just it, it harms uh, your perspective of, of how God created relationships, of how God created sex, of, of all of those things. And I think sometimes it's done more damage than it helped. Um, but we're caught up in that movement, and so we um, took our approach that way. Again, I'm not saying that our approach was the best. It helped us to, to remain pure, which I think, again, is a, something that biblically we're supposed to do. Um, but there's just some other things that, that came out of it that were uh, just a little bit different. Uh, just being honest about where we're at and, and how our relationship was. And I guess a big part of the issue with that movement is that they kind of use this not having sex before marriage as some kind of like binding contract that you make with God, wherein if you do this and if you follow what God has called you to do, then God is going to bless you with this amazing marriage. And that's where it becomes problematic, is people think just because of the way that they acted, because they were good enough or whatever, that God is somehow going to return and and they were able to make a, this contract, this pact with God, that he was going to give them this amazing marriage. And then when their marriage, the reason that it becomes difficult is because marriage is difficult. And so a lot of couples, after they've been married for a while and marriage starts getting difficult or even right away starts getting difficult they start questioning going well god i i did this thing that you wanted me to do god i i stayed pure and, and we didn't have sex before marriage so now our marriage is supposed to be amazing and it's not why is it a struggle um i think that's the issue with that the the, the thing that worked for us that really helped for us is we had people right away as part of our premarital counseling and early on in our marriage that were letting us know that regardless of how we did things before getting married, that marriage was going to be difficult and it was going to be something that we'd have to fight for. And one of the really cool things uh, that was sewn into us during our premarital counseling is to make a commitment to stay married. Essentially that divorce is not an option. It's never something, a word that we should use in the midst of an argument. It's never something that we should bring up as this possibility. It's just take it off the table. Make sure that in your marriage, divorce is not an option. And I think that's really helped us to stay committed to each other and to know that we're supposed to fight for our marriage above, just about above all else. Um, that's something that we need to be proactive about, that we need to fight for. And I think that's how we fight against that uh, trend in our culture. Uh, marriage has a 50% failure rate. That's the divorce rate. Um, it's something that about 80% of uh, people aged 25 or older have done, have gotten married uh, at least once. And yet, still, there's about a 50% failure rate in our culture. So how do, you, how do you stem the tide? How do you go against what seems to be this somewhat likely to happen occurrence? And I think it's to, it's to commit yourself to fight for it at all costs. Uh, that divorce is not an option. Yeah, there's a lot more nuanced discussion about divorce and about uh, reasons to be divorced, that there can be abusive relationships and... and the point of this week is not to talk about um, divorce or when it can happen or when maybe it even should happen. Um, the point of it is just to share my story about marriage and how I think our marriage has stayed strong. So that's really all I'm going to say about divorce right now um, is that I think part of the reason that we have a strong marriage and something that I'd recommend for others that want to have a strong marriage to stay married is to make sure that divorce is not given as an option.
But anyway, so we got married. Uh, for our first two years of our marriage, we uh, I was still in college, and so we actually lived in our campus ministry's campus house. Um, and that brought its uh, own set of difficulties. I transitioned very quickly um, from a college student, uh, a guy who uh, my my wife, um, while she was my girlfriend, ha- had not ever lived in the same town as me. Uh, when we were in high school, we lived about half an hour apart, and then when I went off to college, that distance increased to about an hour and a half. So we tended to only see each other on the weekends. Um, but then when we got married, she moved in with me and she was on my campus all the time and in my home all the time. And so that was an adjustment. That was something that was different. And one of the things that, that kind of made it a struggle for me, those first two years of marriage is that actually my friendships changed. Um, the guys that I had hung out with that still lived in the same building as me that were previously my roommates were just a door down from where I was living with my wife. Um, they just, for whatever reason, decided they couldn't hang out with a married guy anymore. Um, we still hung out occasionally, but they wouldn't ever come over to my apartment. And and I don't know, something about it was just weird to them or they were afraid that we would just be having sex all the time and they'd somehow walk in on us by coming over to our apartment, which was kind of a silly thing to think at the time. Um, and when I realized that, I tried to sh- share with them that that was silly, but uh, for whatever reason, my relationships changed. Uh, and it's not that I lost those friendships, it's just they got redefined in a different way that I wasn't expecting when I got married. And, and so that kind of hurt and that kind of made it difficult after uh, about two years of living in the campus house, we actually moved back in with my parents for four years while I went to seminary. And that was another different season in our marriage and and came with it its own kind of blessings and difficulties. One of the things I I forgot to mention is uh, when we were dating, um, we ended up dating for four and a half years, but pretty early on the process, we realized we wanted to get married. And, And we were pretty young. Um, I, we actually got married when I was 21, um, which is kind of young by some standards, but we even knew a couple years before that, uh, that we wanted to get married. And we actually asked my parents if we could have their, their blessing to get married because we knew we needed their support in our marriage. We needed their blessing and they said no, not that they didn't want us to get married, but they thought it was too soon. Um, and in some ways they probably were right, quite honestly, but they wanted me to finish college. They wanted me to get a job. They wanted me to kind of have things a little bit more settled in life before I got married. And, and Mandy and I knew that that we were together and that the settling would, would happen at some point in time regardless. Um, but that at that moment, we really wanted to just be married and be together in that way. Um, but we decided to respect their decision, which ended up being really beneficial. Because like I said, after being married for two years, we then moved into my parents' house, back into my parents' house for me. Um, I'd spent four years living with them while I was going to seminary. And that uh, that time, it revealed to us that it was a really good thing that we listened because it helped that relationship be a lot stronger and better than it could have been if we had defied my parents in some way. And maybe they would have never let us move back in or, or maybe that just would have been really awkward and not a good time. So that's one of the blessings that kind of came is, is that we'd listened and respected my parents and, and it made all of that possible. It was one of the blessings in, in making, I think, a good decision in our marriage to respect um, my parents' wishes. Again, I'm not trying to say our story is the story. If you have a disagreement with, um, with it's one of the sets of parents and they don't want you to get married, that may not be, uh, well, let's not get married or let's wait to get married. Um, 
but we felt that with my parents that was uh it was something that was good to respect to wait and and to not get married at that time now there was a difficulty with moving back into my parents because we lost uh privacy we lost independence that we'd had previously um in our in our relationship and so when you go from living on your own to to living under someone's roof again especially someone who is used to parenting you is used to uh, advising you and helping you, it, it changes. Um, it can change the relationship, and and it can affect um, your your marriage relationship. And so there was some definitely some difficulty in, in losing that independence of feeling like we had people um, looking over our shoulder, or uh, we'd have arguments because we weren't doing the the chores that were that were given to us, and and it was hard at, of finding that line of still being respectful of my parents, but still being an independent adult myself. But again, uh, pushing through, living the way that I think God calls us to live. We were able to move out of my parents' house on good terms and, and, and proceed on life. And they've been such a tremendous blessing in, uh, to us in our, in our marriage, in, in my ministry, all of those things. Um, because we remained respectful, I think, and, and worked through that relationship, even though those four years were difficult. At the end of those four years, we moved to Iowa, um, which is where we are at now in the Iowa City area. Um, and then we ended up having kids while we were in Iowa. And that led to, uh, that's been the last six years of our marriage that season. And it's, um, it's been tremendously difficult. I would say that this past six years has been the most difficult time in our marriage. That even though we've been independent and on our own and we had to make our own way in Iowa, that which was something that we hadn't necessarily been challenged with before. And then we had kids, and then that leaves very little time for our relationship. Um, that's why I think it was so important that we built such a strong foundation early on in our marriage. It's something that we can go back to and know that we really do care about each other, that we face those difficulties head on, so that when the additional difficulties come, we know we can face those too. And... The blessing of the last six years being more difficult is that we've learned to communicate even better than we ever did before. We, we communicate more honestly, more fully with one another. There's actually a technique that we learned during our premarital counseling that we kind of chuckled about and called kind of cheesy at first, but we've realized that it's really beneficial um, in order to, to truly understand one another, to truly hear one another. And it's just this simple of whenever you sense maybe an argument coming or hear something that that just doesn't quite sound right um so let's say i i, I come home and i notice that there's like all these dirty dishes out and and i just kind of go man like why is there always dirty dishes and, and i just make a comment like that and um so with our technique is essentially how you respond to a comment like that how my wife would respond is when I hear you talk about the dirty dishes, what I'm hearing you say is, I'm so upset that you didn't do the dishes while I was gone, that you didn't take care of the house while I was at work. Because that could be how she's feeling. And, and so you kind of voice how you're, how you're feeling by saying, well, I, when you say that, I, I'm hearing you say this. And, and so she would voice, hey, like, it sounds to me like you're saying that you're upset with me that, that I didn't do the dishes. And I could be like, well, yeah, I kind of am. Uh, maybe that wasn't the best way to react. I'm, I'm really sorry that that you feel um, judged in that. Or maybe I, 
I didn't actually mean that. I just could have been like, man, I meant to do the dishes this morning before I left and I totally forgot about it. And now I come home and I see that there's still dirty dishes in the sink. And that that's really upsetting to me that I, that I failed to do something that, that I kind of agreed to do. Um, it's kind of become my chore to do the dirt dishes in our household, which um, is one of those things that that we didn't necessarily realize you'd have to negotiate in your marriage, but it is really beneficial to do it, to kind of have chores that people are expected to do, some things that you do together, and some things that each person is kind of responsible for. And it kind of helps head off some of those arguments. But anyway, I could say, yeah, I didn't mean to make you feel like you should have done this and that I was judging you for it. What I was really just saying is just, oh, yeah, I should have taken care of that sooner. That should have been done. Uh, that, that's really on me, and maybe I'm expressing frustration with myself. Or just an observation. Oh, man, there's still dirty dishes here. Bummer, now I'm going to have to do dishes later. Or, hey, now we're going to have to do dishes better. Or maybe we should come up with a better system for dishes. I don't know. It could be any number of things that... Anyway, that's just kind of a little advice, a little bit of a technique on, on how to diffuse what sometimes can turn into an argument because you're just misunderstanding one another and you're not communicating fully. There's been advice given about never going to bed angry and, and I think that there's a lot of good, there's a lot of goods to that advice, but in some ways it's not practical because um, just this past weekend, actually, I went to bed angry. And the reason I went to bed angry is because I didn't talk to my wife about it. And it's silly because the thing I was angry about was the fact that um, we were both really tired and I couldn't talk to my wife because she was listening to uh, a really good podcast on her phone and she had her earbuds in. And instead of being like, hey, can we talk? Like, can we at least take a couple of moments just to catch up and, and talk about how our weekends went? And we didn't see each other all weekend. And so I was really wanting to just tell her about what had happened uh, on our retreat and, and to hear about what had happened to her at home. And instead, I chose to just go to bed because uh, I was really tired. Part of me felt like I wasn't sure if I could get out my words without letting that frustration and that anger out, even though she had not done anything wrong. We had just not communicated. Um, so I went to bed angry. Um, but the next morning I apologized for going to bed angry and, and something again that she never even realized, um, but it was able to help me release my emotions. And so it was worth it, um, for my own sake to apologize, to say, Hey, I had some anger towards you and I just want to not hold on to that and not have it come back up or have to worry about it because I wasn't able to tell you that I was frustrated with you even though you did nothing wrong. And so that, those are the kind of ways that we've learned to communicate better, more honestly. Um, so I kind of want to wrap up by just um, going back to that idea of um, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talking about how in many ways being single is better, um, but that marriage is okay too. And I kind of want to just do a little bit of introspection, I guess, on my own story, my own life, how things would be different if I had remained single um, versus in my married life, how life actually looks. And so let me, let me just say that um, if I had stayed single, and um, ended up in the ministry that I that I did doing now. Uh, if my life had basically been completely the same, except I had remained single instead of getting married, I, I think some of the positives is that that I'd have more time for ministry. Um, there are times when I have to put my family first. That my wife will call and say, "It's been a really rough day. Can you just come home?" And because my job is flexible, because of the way that ministry works, oftentimes I can just go home, um, and and oftentimes I will choose to do so. Because my family is, is more important than my ministry. But if I were single, um, I could be putting my ministry first. I wouldn't have to worry about those phone calls. I could just 
work and and do the things that that God's called me to do and and do good work. Um, I, I also could more easily relocate from my job if if uh, CCF needed me to go to one of the other campuses or um, you know either completely move or just for a temporary time travel more and do more of those things. If I was single, that would be way easier. Whereas now, and, and being married, I'd have to completely relocate my family and, and move and find a new house. And there's just a lot more difficulty that comes with having a family. It makes things harder to do. Um, also, personally, I'd have more free time if I wasn't married. I'd have more me time. Uh, I'd get to do some of the things that I enjoy, um, like playing video games, like taking more naps, <laughs> like uh, watching movies um, that maybe my wife doesn't care about. Those are the kind of things that I could do if I was by myself and single. I could do those things more and have more time for me. Now, because I'm married, there's there's also a lot of really good things that, that come about. Um, one of the things that's been the most beneficial for myself, for my ministry, is that I have a partner. I have a partner that prays for me, that encourages me. Um, frankly, I do believe I, I wouldn't be in ministry, or at least not in this capacity, if, if I didn't have my wife. Because one of the things that happened right away within our marriage is that we realized that what I was studying to become um, was not really my purpose. I was studying to become a math teacher, and um, what I was really supposed to be is a, is a minister uh, of some sort. We didn't know what kind of ministry that looked like at that point in time, but, but Mandy was able to see my heart, to know my purpose, and, and to encourage me to become a minister. And, and so I, I changed some things. I changed what I was studying in undergrad. I ended up going to seminary, largely because of my wife, knowing me, knowing what God had called me to be, and encouraging me to f pursue those things. Um, so I, I do honestly believe the only reason I'm in ministry is because of my wife. Um, not only that, another advantage of us being married is that I, I think our marriage is meant to be a model for other families. That's why I'm sharing this podcast right now. That's why we shared on Tuesday night together what our marriage looks like is because I think God has called us to have the kind of marriage that, that helps others to uh, aspire to have a stronger marriage, to work things out, to fight for their marriages. And so that's what we hope, that, that our family can be a model for other families, that our marriage can be a model for other marriages. And uh, as I said before, you might not have the opportunity to do things our way. You may have already had issues in your past that keeps you from being able to do it our way. It, maybe it just doesn't look like that for you, that you can still follow God's call and not and, and kiss before you get married. But that's how our marriage worked, and I wanted to share that with, with all of you, uh, just to share our story and to share an example of, of what I think biblical marriage is supposed to look like and what I want to encourage others to, to follow and to pursue. There's no one right way to do marriage biblically. There's some really good guidelines. There's some really good advice that's given in the Bible about, about married couples, about how to be married, about how to stay married. And, and I think um, our marriage can help provide um, some other guidelines, some, some places of, of advice, some things that we went through. And, and so I hope that's what you got from listening today, um, hearing about uh, a marriage that, that I think is a pretty good one, that it's the kind of marriage that, that I hope my kids would get to have someday. 
Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder, if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there. Again, that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you.